So yeah, you've got a, an outside shaving convert. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cool. Yeah, I do. Hey, that's a perfect way to start. So the, that's a bit of follow-up, like almost real follow-up. <laughs> Circle back from six months ago. Circle back from six months ago. Do we need, we need a... Way back machine effect. Okay. All right. Okay. That was pretty good. Thank you. I'm practicing. You, yes, <laughs> listeners, you could not see the finger motions <laughs> that went along with that. So yeah, Pat said he was going to he was going to set up a shaving mirror on the outside of his house to start using his electric shave out on the back deck. I'll have to follow up with him. See if he see if he did that. Yeah, I mean that's it's got it's got good you know uh, outdoor outdoor activity. Status and good spousal acceptance factors, since they don't have to deal with the nasty sink anymore. Right, right. And if you have long enough whiskers, you're you're you know you're providing fodder for birds' nests, and <laughs> you know you're you're doing you're doing your part. It's it's you know because environment. Okay, all right. <laughs> so how are you, Jay? I'm, I'm just picturing a, ne- a bird's nest made out of your mustache. It's kind of oh. creepy. Yeah, uh, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm well. Uh, well. Yeah, we're recording at the shop um, mm-hmm. in the heat of the day. In the little little office at the shop again. Yeah, yeah. Air conditioner's off. We did that for you, listeners. Yeah, yeah. Could be a very warm episode. Yeah, might be. It's not, it's not too bad. So what have you been up to? It's been been a while. We were chided by TCL that for a two-parter, we should really get the second part out faster than this. Than this? Than this. Huh. I thought we were doing good on this one. When did we record? What? Has it been a week? Last Thursday? Thursday? Mm-hmm. It was yeah. definitely a Thursday. Because I tried to get you to come to the thing after, but yeah, you it was that. definitely a Thursday. Was it Thursday last, or was it? I think so. Oh, well, I think we're doing well. Okay, well, you know, yeah. but e- email, Matt, email Matt, but yeah, um, yeah. So but this is the second part t- of a two-part. We're turning around the two-parter. Yeah, yeah. Um, two parts so far that we know of. We don't <laughs> know how this is going to go. <laughs> yeah, we're going to try it though. Mm-hmm. 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 Um. Yeah, I got a couple of things. Before we get back to the food topic, which is our, our, our topic, uh, there's a couple of things I, I wanted to ask you. Number one, are you watching the new Cosmos? No, I'm not. I've heard about it. Uh, I'm not actually sure how I would watch it. Hmm. Um, I guess I could get it on the PBS website, right? It's still PBS. Well, now uh, now it's Fox. Ugh. Yeah, I know. But it's also Nat Geo and all the other Fox... Uh, Stations, you know the the uh, the the that reaction totally understandable, but the fact that there's a show on Fox, which is talking about how it's uh, ridiculous and backward not to believe in evolution, makes me really happy. Oh, you're right. That's kind of cool. So you know, it's uh you know Seth MacFarlane is the executive producer. I did know that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, and uh, of course Anne Druyan, I think I'm saying that right. Carl Sagan's wife, the late Carl Sagan's wife, who, of course, was executive produced with Carl Sagan, the original Cosmos, she's got her hands all over it, doing most of the writing and, and Oh, that's that. cool. I did not know that bit. All that stuff. <clears throat> um, but, uh, you know, Dr. Uh, DeGrasse Tyson is, mm-hmm. uh, is the man, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and what I didn't know, which is revealed in the first episode, and then I did a little, little follow-up, because, you know, the science blogger 
sphere blog and tetrahedron was uh was was a buzz with this that um neil degrasse tyson uh, was personally mentored by carl sagan knew him had written to him when he was a young boy and carl sagan wrote but wrote back oh and, cool and then, i didn't know that yeah yeah that's really cool uh i was fortunate enough to see dr tyson speak at mosey one time cool um in the it was in the IMAX theater, which was a little strange. Yeah. But, uh. The angle's weird. Yeah. Because he's way down there. He you have to lean way yeah. forward. Uh, I wasn't too far back, so it wasn't okay. that weird. Uh, but he's great speaker, very yeah. entertaining. Yeah, I, uh, I saw him speak at the Palladium in St. Pete. And he was doing this, the speaking tour. And he was talking about, you know, he talked about it. I, maybe he was promoting his Death by Black Hole book at the time or something. You know, he's a book about spaghettification, which is how you die when you fall into a black hole. <laughs> I did really interesting and improbable way to die. <laughs> did not know he'd made a book out of that, but, you know, uh, okay, yeah. Yeah, I think he was promoting that at the time. And the talk was really good. And then he, he took questions from the floor, and, of course, a evangelical was there to challenge him on, on uh, how he was able to uh, live in a universe without a... Uh, creator, or how he, he, he had an evangelical plant in the audience. I don't think it was a plant. I really, was, but I think it's a pretty regular occurrence for him. So it wasn't exactly knocked off his stride. Wow. Yeah, he handled it just fine, as I recall. But that—that that was I. I think that was my introduction to him. I didn't really know who he was. I heard that there was this uh, cosmologist or astrophysicist speaking at this thing, and that it was that I could like flash my teacher ID and get in free. And another teacher friend was was going. Yeah, this was, God, this was forever ago. This must have been, must have been six or seven years ago. I know it was before I met my my wife. Don't ask me how I know. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was fun. But the, the new Cosmos, I can't recommend it highly enough. I was a big fan of the original. I've seen all, what, I think there were 13 episodes of the original series. Maybe 14. Um, I think there are going to be 12 or 13 of these. So Cool. They're, they're four episodes in. I started watching the fourth episode yesterday, and then the cable went out. Yes, you're you're knocked back a few decades right now at your domicile. I'm Amish at my domicile. <laughs> there, when the cable goes out, it, we don't just not have TV; we don't have internet either. Yeah, or or rather, we do on our on our phones, but. In the in the uh, six hour period following the cable going out and the internet, the wireless going out, um, we completely used up our data plan. My, my partner <laughs> and I. What did you do? Well, okay, I figured it out this morning. W- were you watching Nova? No, I wasn't. <laughs> so in the middle of the night, in the middle of the night, she gets up to, use, to the restroom or whatever, and she comes back and she says, "Our data is used up." And I said. <laughs> First of all, it's at three in the morning. What, you managed you know, to do that in the bathroom? I don't know. That's what I was thinking. I don't even know what time it was because normally I would look at the cable box, which is now displaying just dashes because there's no time. It has no information. I can't even give you blinking 12 at this point. No. Blinking 12 <laughs> is too high order. It's dashes all the way down. <laughs> oh, no. And, and she says, the, so I have no idea what time in the morning it is, but let's just ballpark it and say it's 3.30 in the morning. And she says that our data has been used up. And I said, no, no, no. No, I checked it before I went to bed, and we were at a little under halfway done, but we have less than half of our cycle left, so, you know, but we're not, it's not used up. We had half of it left when I went to bed. It just says, I just got a text that it's used up. Ah. Oh. 
And of course, in the morning, I, I looked at my phone. I had the same text. And I, and of course, I checked and saw what my phone had done with data during the night, which was. Did it download 47 podcasts? My phone had not done anything during the night because it's not supposed to. But apparently, my wife's phone is not so tamed and decided to update things in the night. Oh, no. And used up like a full gig last oh, night. No. This is just bad luck. Like, uh, you know, ordinarily it would have been on the wireless and it would be fine. And you know, here's 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 the kick in the ass part is that a couple <laughs> of a couple of weeks ago she said something about you know my apps are always out of date. I was like, well, turn on the automatic updating. Oh <laughs> no! She's like, oh, they're automatically updating. That's good, That's right? That's excellent. Yeah. And I was like, That's good for you because you don't update them manually. So yeah, you should leave that on. And then last night, oh. Hoover's up the remaining data. So today I had oh, good to... lord, how many apps does she have? I mean, some of them, they can be big, but they... Who knows? Maybe it was not necessarily... It could have been an iOS update. I don't know. Oh, it's an iPhone. Yeah. 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 I have no idea. Huh. And I know even if I was holding her phone right now, I wouldn't be able to figure out where the data had gone. Probably. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it's hard to tell. It's inscrutable. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> so let's see. I don't think I should name my... Uh, well, we're really not looking to get sponsorship from Verizon. They can go f*** themselves. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and say Verizon is both my wireless provider and my uh, cable and internet provider. And when I dealt with their phone support, the guy was, um, he sounded like a bit of an anorak, but he was very professional and, and he actually seemed kind of impressed that I was able to like find the battery backup thing and unplug the battery so quickly. Oh, yeah, and, that's and cool. I just like, had to replace that backup battery for my mom. Yeah, well, that might be all that's necessary, but the earliest appointment, this was yesterday, I spent 40 minutes on the phone with Verizon Tech Support, the earliest appointment, yesterday being Wednesday, no, Tuesday, yesterday was Tuesday, today is Wednesday, the earliest appointment, Friday afternoon. Technician has to come up. To unplug your backup battery? No, I hadn't unplugged it. Oh, okay. But then I held down the button and it didn't do what he wanted to see it do from his end in, in, you know... Bangalore or where he lives. Yeah. No, he, he probably wasn't from Bangalore. But anyway, so a mom is at my house, so we're recording at the shop in this little hot box of a room. Yeah. Get your hot box in the pool. Hot box in it at the shop. Yep. <clears throat> okay, so let's see. What other fake follow-up we have? Oh, I got a, I got kind of a big one. I won't ask you if you ran this week. Let's skip that. But the, remember the... Okay, good. I didn't run. Okay. The, uh, I did. Listeners, if you, if the handful of you who are looking to be shamed into running this week, Matt, Matt ran. Matt ran. Um, a couple episodes ago, we talked about the Everglades Challenge and how I wanted to buy this boat, the Sea Pearl 21. And so I missed, I missed that boat. Literally. The one I wanted to buy was sold out from under me and the other ones I can find of the same ilk are too expensive. Although listeners, if you see any Sea Pearl 21s, <laughs> email, At a yard sale or something. Yeah, email Matt. But uh, it looks like there is momentum building toward a, a full-on plywood sailboat build for the Everglades Challenge 2016. Okay. All right. Yeah. We've got the design picked out. Okay. Um, we are lining up financing. You know, I thought I had a sponsor. I th- well, I had an idea of who I could get to sponsor me, and it seemed, it seemed perfect, but it, it, didn't, it didn't work out. Right. Are you big-timing me right now? You're making this up. No. No. A uh, friend, uh, friend, of, friend of the family 
the Matt family <laughs> has a nonprofit which is all about uh, preservation of the golf ecosystem. Oh, interesting. And that actually makes sense. I thought you it, were going to no. say something very silly. And I figured, you know, I figured we named the boat after them and, you know, put their logo on the sails, the logo that the nonprofit. And uh, we do the Everglades Challenge for the nonprofit. Wow. Which I, I can't mention by name because they couldn't help us out. <laughs> otherwise, I'd be publicizing the crap out of that right now. <laughs> You're otherwise not willing to help out a nonprofit. Um, oh, well, that sounds wrong when you say it like that. Yeah. That's what I was going for. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, that that's cool. Uh, I, I I suppose I, I would, uh, you know, maybe pitch in a little bit on a on a boat build that was happening, you know, under here. under he, like here in the workshop that, the that workshop. I could come and visit and maybe pitch in a little bit. Totally. Uh, but well, we're gonna need all kinds of hands on deck, so to speak. Yeah. But for the record, I am still very happy to have a podcast and not a boat. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. But for anyone who's, who's interested, we'll put the we'll put the photographs and, and a couple of videos and stuff in show notes. But for anyone who wants to know what this would look like, building a sailboat for the Everglades Challenge out of plywood from a kit from a, a well, a, you know, a renowned plywood boat designer. Um, we'll have we'll have that in show is that notes. A, is that a job? That's a job you can have. Apparently. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, so you, these, these notes you mentioned, would you be so kind as to tell people where they might find them for this episode? Uh, I will do my best. That would be at, um, gtradio.net slash A-L-Y-T slash three seven. Three seven. This is the 37th episode. It is. It is. Yeah. 37. 37. gtradio.net slash A-L-Y-T slash 37. And I think there are going to be some updates to the to the the show page in general, the the slash A L Y T. Yeah, right? there's uh, going to be some new stuff coming up. Working on working on some uh, some stuff for the at least you're trying web web presence and the mug page. Yeah, we we got a mug page coming. We got a stuff we like page coming. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a, a an enormous uh, production outline page uh, <laughs> that you know is still in draft mode, but but we're. Almost done, done with that, possibly. Yeah, should be this week. Yeah. It, uh... <laughs> hey, you know another another thing I wanted to mention. Um, you know, okay, so we have a for the show we have a Amazon affiliate account. So the links we put in our things we like page and the links we occasionally we sprinkle throughout uh, the show notes or whatever. If they're actual Amazon links and people click on those links and then buy those things or certain other eligible things, we get uh, tiny kickbacks. Yeah. You, you know about this. I do. Well, it just, um, I just read all about this guy who's a big deal in the Skeptiverse, the sort of skeptical podcast blogosphere, uh, like a really big deal, who is going to jail for for gaming the eBay affiliate program to the, oh. to the tune of $7 million. Oh, wow. So what I'm saying, Jody, is we're not doing this right. We we should be gaming somebody to the tune of $7 million. Or, Seven well, million or maybe $5 dollars. million, dollars and then we wouldn't have to do the jail part. Okay. Maybe it's like the okay. sixth and seventh million. Yeah, we should look up what the federal, you know, cutoff is for that yeah, for, sort of thing. <laughs> wire fraud. <laughs> That's what he's, he's he um, pleaded guilty to, or pled guilty to wire fraud. Wow. So yeah. that 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 long running Linux podcast, <coughs> Brian Dunning, 
I was mentioning just a, a bit ago. Mm-hmm. Um, they they got slapped down by Amazon oh, yeah. for not playing the affiliate game right. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. It was kind of sad. But they weren't doing fraud. No, no. They just weren't abiding by Amazon's terms and conditions. Well... By the, the literal yeah. letter of Amazon's T's and C's. They weren't quite, yeah. you know... But right they, in there. But they weren't cookie stuffing. No, they were. They were not falsifying clicks. They okay. weren't click jacking. They weren't doing anything nefarious. Do you, do you know what cookie stuffing is? Because I didn't until last night. It's it sounds I, dirty. I do. Uh, well, oh, you do. I didn't before, but I, I. Okay. Just the name. I know what I know what that means. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, if anyone who's listening is actually interested in cookie stuffing, we'll just put a link to an explanation <laughs> rather than talk about it ad nauseum right now. That'll be in show notes as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, I man's done it all for the cookie. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <sighs> I hate that song. Sorry. The Cookie Monster remix is, is, is the way to go on that. Oh, yeah. Good, uh, good ooh. Put that accidental segue. Go ahead. For the topic. Yes. Talking of cookies. Yes. Speaking of cookies. Yeah. Uh, should we talk about food some more? Yeah, let's do Cool. Uh, so I think I found your spokesperson. Uh, <laughs> since you don't like to talk about your food philosophy, your yeah. ethic, epicureanism. That's Am I saying that right? That's right. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I ran across a video of this really cute Italian toddler, uh, explaining veg- vegetarianism to his mother. Um, <laughs> It's 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 quite good. You have to you have to see it. Uh, link in the show notes. Um, yeah, I, I only just watched it moments ago. Listeners, it's adorable. Doesn't quite cover it. So yeah, even this hard-hearted skeptic found it quite adorable. Yeah, it's honestly not a bad defense of vegetarianism. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, vacas as animal. Yes, you'll have to. Watch you have to. You have to take care of the animals. That alone is reason enough to go to the show notes for this week. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we can we can gloss over this next bit. I, I can't yeah. even remember why I threw it in there. Uh, Verticalfarm.com is is all I'm going to say for now. If you're intrigued, just Google mm-hmm. that. Okay. Yeah. Is you, anything you want me to know about that, or you want to move it along? The name says it all, Matt. Vertical Farm. I don't think it does because I'm picturing um, <laughs> a skyscraper. Full of farms. Does one drain into the next floor? Yeah, yeah. That you sort really of you stack, you stack them all up. Well, like container gardening, you know. Like yeah, you have those vertical uh, container towers. Sure, just like that. Yeah, like the the seventies was all macrame based, but now it's plastic. Yeah, the plastic thingies that you can get at Home Depot that sort of stacks up your plants. Yeah, uh, and you like can water through the middle. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, so there, there's some. Uh, is some that really good... what we're talking about, or is this is vertical farming some sort of like vertical uh, integration of the different parts of the? Uh, <laughs> the uh, what no, this is not a... the food chain, <laughs> the food supply, farm no. to table. No, blah, it's blah, not. Blah. This is not a douchey buzzword uh, for anything. It is literally it's literally putting plants on on above other plants. Plants on stilts, Matt. That's what I. <laughs> that's what I'm. <laughs> that's what I'm telling you right now. That we should all be doing is taller. Taller farms. I do like plants that drain into other plants. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's like turbochargers. Okay. Okay. You know, is if what would otherwise be wasted energy and you, you harvest it. Harvest it. Bring it back. Use it for something else. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, is that a bit of a reach? No, it's blowing my mind. Actually. It's far too good of a comparison. Yeah. (sighs) That's what it was. That's what's so sexy about that. 
kind of, you know, I love the idea of taking uh, wasted energy or effort and somehow harvesting it. And, like, wasted energy is a tough nut to crack. I mean, the turbocharger is a great example, but kind of low-hanging fruit because you have a, a super high-velocity stream of exhaust gas that you can use to spin a turbine and Bob's your uncle. And do something else. Yes. But um, a lot of people theorize that, and this goes beyond the theoretical, I'll tell you why in a minute, that one of the big... Although there are a lot of technical hurdles, one of the big ways we could vastly improve the energy efficiency of humanity, of our society, is by capturing all this waste energy. You know, like everything we do, you know, second law and all that, waste energy to the environment. And harvesting wasted thermal energy is really difficult because the temperature gradients are so shallow. Uh, but there has been some, some recent technical progress in this, in this regard. So, like, waste heat harvesting for even electrical energy, I think, is a, is gonna be a big deal. Okay. Alright. So, you're, five to ten years. You're bullish on thermo, thermocoupling. That's what I'm hearing. <sighs> and, and we could, we could end up with Matrix instead of Terminator. Hmm. Yeah, I think the Terminator scenario is less like I have to I give you know, I give it a I give it a moment of thought. I, I think the Terminator scenario is is less likely because it's too inefficient. Okay. Okay. Really I, I did walking the, I, robots. That I was mean, my fault, listeners. So food. Wouldn't they just be drones that would just yeah. fly above us yeah. and kill us all? They'd have treads. Um well, they have, you know, treads and jet engines. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. All right. so... All right, so, um... I'm not going to let Matt go farther with this car analogy, but like all good analogies, it involves cars. <laughs> I'm uh, glad you said that. <laughs> yeah. That's just one... That's just my opinion. That's just... It's probably... It's probably both both podcast host opinion, honestly. Because science. Because science. Um, okay, uh, you... I've got some okay. meager food... Food functional components. Okay, yeah, to, I did present a bit of a challenge... Since it's been nearly six days since we recorded, we should remind our <laughs> our impatient listeners that I presented a bit of a challenge at the end, that we would come back with some functional components about how we could eat at home more and it maximize deliciousness and minimize hassle and whatever else I said. I don't remember. So And, and you challenged me specifically. To, I did. I did to, do. To, to, and to, I vowed to make my own list, which I didn't do. Gather up, gather up stuff. So yeah. I took that challenge. Go ahead, Colin. Um, and, you know, I like I promised last week, I don't have much. But just to get things started, and this was really just to get me started writing uh, what little I had, I am continually surprised by how well cabbage keeps <laughs> in the fridge. <laughs> Even after you, like, cut it in half and use half the head of cabbage to make yeah. tacos. Yeah. Um, Can't do that with lettuce. No. Lettuce, forget spinach, it. forget it. Yeah. It's it's you know it's brown liquid, yeah. uh, you know before the the cabbage is even wilty a little bit. Yeah. It's still crisp and wonderful. Yeah. Um, okay. So cabbage, cabbage, functional yes. component number one. Now to make that useful, Jody, you realize I, I don't. It's not that I need like recipes from you, but I need to know what it is because <laughs> I don't have any recipes. What it is that I should be doing with cabbage that I'm not currently doing with cabbage because you've already presented the one and only use case that I'm familiar with, which is fish, tacos, fish tacos, tacos. Yes, tacos, vegetarian tacos. Oh sure, not even fish tacos because fish are animals, man. 
I, I heard that somewhere. Yeah. Um, and, uh, <laughs> uh, no Italian on the podcast. So my, uh, my, my spouse, my, my special lady goes through these food phases <clears throat> where she'll, she'll really get, is this coming back to cabbage? Yes. Okay. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> I'm not letting you get away without telling me about that. Uh, she'll, she'll, you know, pick, not, I don't know how she arrives at the entree or the food, mm-hmm. whatever it is, but, no one does. uh, she'll want that item to eat regularly for probably a couple months at a time. Okay. And sometimes that's tacos. Okay. And sometimes that's my tacos. How... Your tacos. My tacos. Homemade, yeah. my, my homemade vegetarian tacos involving oh. the cabbage. Oh, I see. So this is, again, prime use case for the cabbage. Gotcha. Uh, is the tacos. What, what else, if I may ask, goes in your vegetarian tacos? Zucchini. Okay. How do you do the zucchini? Because I'm, I'm weird about zucchini. Alright, uh, so, cabbage. Cabbage. Chop it nice and fine. As you do. Lee. Mind your thumbs though. As you, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've learned that lesson. Safety first. Safety first. Wear your, you know, shark bite glove when you're when you're getting the cabbage real, real, real skinny. Especially with the mandolin. Yeah, um, you can you can do the zucchini. You know, you can chop that kind of however you like. Uh, but start sautéing the cabbage. Throw the zucchini in there with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, geez, what else do I put in my tacos? I can't even remember. Well, how do you season this this goulash of zucchini and cabbage? Salt, pepper, and adobo. Hmm. Con adobo. Yes. Adobo. Con pimienta. Con pimienta. Con pimienta. Yeah. So we've got Italian and Spanish. Sin pimienta. No, no. That's horrible. You don't want the sin pimienta. <sighs> we've got Italian and Spanish on the podcast now. It's mm-hmm. getting away from me. I'm bringing it back. Okay. 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 So that's that's my, my primary use case for cabbage. Okay. You can put a little bit in the salad for some for yeah. some crunch, you know? You, yeah. You, you, okay. You, there are... If, for- if you've got... Half a head of cabbage in your fridge now, yeah. after the tacos, you can find uses for it. Okay. okay. Such as? Uh, sprinkle it into the salad. Sprinkle, okay. it, sprinkle it into the salad. What else you got, honestly? Is that it? <sighs> Come yeah. on. Yeah, that's it. Uh, anything that could use a little, uh, you know, moisture donation. Crunch. And some crunch that you're, you've already got, you know, sauteing or throw it in a pan. Could be as like a, a couscous garnish or a, a, a pasta garnish. Mm. Garnish. Yeah, there you go. Corner case. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I don't, I don't know you're if it's sold. I mean, uh, all right. Unless, okay. it's, unless it's red cabbage. I like red cabbage prepared just so. But fair enough. You know, kind of kind of sour and a bit. You know, when my grandma used to do it. But. Okay, so right. the ga- cabbage. Yeah, you gotta let me move on from the cabbage. Yeah, get, let's get out of the cabbage. <laughs> now, this next thing, I, I quite like. Is it, it's actually become a staple for me. Okay, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Mm-hmm. I say kefir. Okay. I've heard people say kefir, like which so- just like Sutherland, which just makes me want to say Sutherland exactly. Okay. Uh, but this is it, K E F I R. It's lightly fermented milk. Okay. Okay. On the spectrum between milk mm-hmm. and yogurt, yes. it's like a third of the way from milk to yogurt. It's okay. still liquid. Like, mm-hmm. it's not clumpy or anything. 
Um, oh, it, okay. That's yeah, good. you know, it's like thick. It's like thick milk. Yes. And you know, you hear the word fermented, and you think, "Ooh, it's probably stinky or whatever." It's not. Um, you know, and you, and you can get it at Publix, uh, and it's oddly filling. It's really nice. And I skip breakfast a lot. Unfortunately, how, how, these come in like juice box. Uh, ready I, get, to... I get like a a, a, a quart. Okay. You, you get them in the in the like a quart plastic bottle, mm-hmm. and uh, bonus. That's nearly a liter for our overseas listeners. Good, good call. Thank you. Uh, bringing it back to the metric. <laughs> um, so, much like the cabbage, it also keeps very well. Unlike milk, which you know no. spoils way too quickly, and I've never no. really liked milk. It's kind of gross. Yeah, my partner doesn't like milk. I like milk. So, I don't know. Feelings on milk side. Uh, this stuff keeps way better than milk. Okay. And a, a glass of it, yeah. you know, is, so like an eight is ounce often glass, my breakfast. An 8-ounce glass would have how many calories? This is important to me because oh, you need a certain amount I don't, of energy. I'm sorry. I don't know the caloric content. Damn it. Um, You're supposed to put that in the show notes. Yeah, we can. We can, we can try. Okay. Um, all right, so that's two for me. Okay, that's two for what, me. what have you got? I didn't. I didn't make a list. So you didn't. Do, just... You didn't do your homework. No. But you you said some stuff before before we hit the before we went from blinky red to solid red. Yeah. What What was one of those things? Okay. Well, I my wife and I picked up a cookbook not too long ago called One Pan Two Plates. Oh, or something nice. like that. Nice. Cooking for two can be kind of a kind of a thing. Like it's easy to fall into a a thing where there's, you know, she has a couple of dishes she makes really well. I know how to make a couple of things really well, and so without some kind of outside input, it's easy to just fall into a rut where she does her thing, then I do one of my things, then she does her thing, and then I do one of my things, and then and you know so. When you think about eating at home, you think, well, we can have one of these four things. Or, you know, we've had that all that stuff recently, let's go out. You know? Sure. So, you need a little outside input. Now, yeah, of course, that's the internet is, is bottomless and is full of recipes. You can Google a recipe for anything, but you need an idea. And that's why a, a cookbook is a good idea. And this particular one, it'll be in show notes has been pretty good for us. So we have it, we've, we've been working our way through it and, uh, it's very, you know, it's a bit expensive because it's big and it's colorful, you know, it's all four color and lots of pictures and stuff. Glossy. Maxi glossy. And <laughs> it has lots of practical tips in the book about how to plan and shop and cook for two Ooh. while wasting way less. So I've, that's, uh, that's why I really wanted to get the book and, you know, Paid the whatever twenty five dollars or whatever thirty dollars. Well, that's not bad for a big glossy book. Yeah, and then you know there's there's probably a hundred and something recipes in it. And I would say at this point, my wife and I have cooked maybe ten or twelve, and we haven't really had a dud. Like they've all been either good or great. Nice. Some of them have been really great, and and then I you know one of the one of the big tips was. To cook everything, because the, the, okay, so the other attractive factor, because we don't have a dishwasher at home. We do all our dishes by hand. Okay. And so the idea of one pot or one pan, which is on, right in the title, was a big seller for me, which uh, the other reason I really wanted to get it. But the one pan 
that the author had in mind is a 12-inch cast iron skillet. A big cast iron skillet. Wait, that, and so that's used for all the recipes? Pretty much. Oh, wow. <laughs> so far as i found, there are zero exceptions. They've all called for the skillet. Even when doing pasta, you boil the pasta in the skillet, then pour out the water, then finish oh. the sauce in Ooh. the same skillet. Oh, I like that. So we needed a good skillet, and I didn't really have one. Like, I had a, the 11.5-inch or 12-inch lodge cast iron skillet, and it just, it was never right. You know, just when you started getting it right, you'd screw up, and you'd leave you'd, you'd leave water in it or something, you'd get a, little, a rust spot, and you'd start mm. trying to get that out, and then you'd scrub through the the seasoning so, you so had. So it didn't, it didn't hold the seasoning very well. No. Okay. The large ones don't, in my experience. I, I'm sure there are people who are just better at all of this, who have great luck with Lodge, but I, I'm not one of those people. I kept end up ending up scrubbing it or baking it down to the original steel and trying again and trying again and trying again. Finally threw it away. Got rusty. And I'm like, I'm not, you know, not doing it this. I'm not doing it anymore. So I needed a, a skillet, and I finally decided that you know what would be the money is no object solution to this problem. Because you know, my one of my core philosophies is if you can afford the best. Then go, you should go ahead and have it, right? Like well, I have, you know. Yeah, you do that. Uh, I'm I'm sitting here looking at, at your fancy wristwatch. Um, this is not a fancy wristwatch. Well, it, it looks pretentious, Matt. Okay. Well, compared to many of the other wristwatches, <laughs> all right. The fact that I just said many of the other wristwatches yeah, in the yeah, stable. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, um, my yeah, point is invalid. I'm, I'm all for that, especially. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I'm not all for that. I am for that when it's something that you're going to use often. Right. And the cast iron skillet has been used four times a week, every week since we bought it. And it definitely fits in there. Yeah. yeah. And it was, and it's not like it was seven hundred dollars. It was, it was, yeah, it was two hundred. Whoa. Okay. All uh, right. Link, link in the show notes. The link will be <laughs> buy, it, <clears throat> buy it from the show notes. Yeah. Buy that on Amazon, <laughs> and we get a real kickback. Yeah, that's four percent of the, like a real number. Oh man. Anyway. I ended up buying this, uh, or we did, buying this, um, hell, what's the brand? Um, <laughs> You're usually such a brand whore. I can't believe you're doing this to me right now. You know, the fancy uh, cast iron cookware that you get at Williams-Sonoma, or you, it's coated. You were looking the... at the wrong co-host right now. I, <sighs> I, I, I can't even help you. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, oh, um, Le Creuset. Okay, all right. Yeah. As Lake Rousset, and it's coated. And what I actually I love have about, heard of that. Okay. So what I love about the coated enamel, I was skeptical about the coating, because I was afraid, well, coating will flake off. Eventually, I'll screw up the coating, and it'll flake off. I, um, I'm confused. Okay. Go I ahead. thought we were talking about a cast iron skillet. That's correct. So it's still it, weigh, it still weighs 30 pounds. <laughs> so it's coated with a an enamel on the outside that makes it bright red, which is fabulous, because red is faster. And on the inside, it's coated with a different, a different coating. Son, do you have any idea how fast you were cooking? <laughs> on the inside, it's coated with a black coating, which is not, it's not one of these, uh, these non-stick coatings that's going to give you cancer and kill your parrot. It's, you know about that? I know you. about the coatings flaking off and making you sick. Well, killing the birds? You know about the birds? I don't know about the birds. Circle back to that. But it's coated on the inside with something that allows you to just use freaking soap. 
So you can get this thing, you can put it on the burner, turn it on high, dry. You can get up to searing temperatures, drop a, a tri-tip or a uh, or a hanger steak or a ribeye, just drop it in there. Wait, after you jacquard it? If it's grass-fed, you should jacquard it. Okay. That's in the channel. Just wanted to be clear. Okay. Um... And you could you could get up to you know 1200 degrees the coating doesn't budge it's guaranteed for life and you can, and then afterwards when you're done with it and you get crap stuck all to it you can just scrub it with soapy water and the stuff comes right off and then wow. okay. and, and then you know, which was the main thing with the uh, with the traditional skillets is you have to you have to be so careful yeah. about how you clean them I can't I can't handle that responsibility yeah and then if you don't do it that day. And you like you have to go back and fix it the next day. Then it's like, ah. yeah. so that's that's why, you know. And, uh, like I said, if if you're if you're rigorous with your cast iron maintenance, then absolutely the lodge is fine. Or better still, here's the other solution. Like if 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 uh, money is more precious to you than time, then you would want to hunt down one of those American-made skillets from the 1830s or whatever that you still find at at. Uh, and skillet trading shows and flea markets and every once in a while somebody finds one in the garage sale. Yeah, the, the, yeah. The warring. Some and of the our some of our friends. Some the, of our friends, I think, have found some, some yeah, good yeah, stuff yeah. At, at yard sales. Oh, totally. Garage sales. Totally, but those have to be very gingerly cared for. Yeah. Uh, and the, this one, this is like, this is one of those things where I felt like I was paying for a permanent solution to a problem that had been with me for nearly a decade. So the 200-something bucks for a pan sounds like a lot. But I'm going to go ahead and put that in the show notes and suggest that if you, like me, have been <gasps> suffering under the tyranny of... of A bad skillet. Ba- well, bad skillets and or two restrictive skillet maintenance regimes, just, you should just, you should get one of these coated skillets. All right. You should get a Lake say. Just do it. Okay. So there's that. Um, the other thing, another tip that I'm going to steal from the cookbook that I mentioned, which is in show notes, is the, uh, the there are some shopping tips. See, uh, that this I, I like the sound of. I don't think I've ever seen a cookbook with shopping tips, and shopping tips might be what I need most. Yeah. Well, Plan- you, you said before planning and shopping, so the, the, and shopping. I, do, I do need those, so go ahead. Planning and shopping is so hard. I don't really have much for you on the planning side, but on the shopping side, one good one, if you're... Okay, so it really... I really hate wasting food. It really bothers me at a deep level that I can't explain, don't intend to try to explain. But I really hate wasting food. It's non-ethical as far as you're concerned. Exactly. Well, that's part of it. I, I You know, Dalai Lama, the current one, recently well, said... <laughs> there's, there's only ever one that... Wow. Well, current, oh, current incarnation. Current incarnation. There. Thank you. Thank you for straightening me out on that. You're absolutely right. The current incarnation of the Dalai Lama said that... We still need to schedule him as a guest, by the way. Yeah. Neil, get on that. Yeah. Okay. He, he said that uh, wasting food is passive violence. Oh, I've never heard that. Passive violence, which is a weird concept, but think about that. You know, there are a lot of people who don't have enough food. Anyway, let's not get into that. The point is, it just really bugs me for whatever reason. I don't okay. know if it's the Dalai Lama's fault or not. It okay. bugs me to waste food. And so one of the tips I really liked from this cookbook was about selecting produce. And this seems so obvious now. But just buying smaller onions. <laughs> 
That's a, that's a really good tip. I can't tell you how many times I've thrown away half of an onion yeah, because it's true. become a shriveled Hulk yeah. in its in its uh, you know uh, cling wrap uh, cocoon in the fridge. Yeah, the cling wrap cocoon is no elixir of life. It just it still just shrivels up, and then I'm like, oh, this, this is f-ed. I gotta yeah. get a new onion. Wow. And yes, you can compost and stuff and feel less guilty. But that's a whole other rabbit hole. Yeah, I don't. I don't think we can get to compost this episode. Maybe we'll we'll have a part three someday. But that that <laughs> idea it'll be about washing dishes and composting. <laughs> oh man! Oh, my wife is the least sustainable dishwasher ever. Sometimes I feel like I I am as well. Hmm. Uh, I, I do like I do have a dishwasher. Yes. And uh, it's terrible. Like most dishwashers I've ever used, it just doesn't wash the dishes well, which makes me so angry huh. because it's, it's now run for, and the current one I, I, I have now where I live takes forever. It takes like two hours. <laughs> and it's loud and it takes forever. <laughs> and you pull yeah. the dishes out and they're just not clean. Like, and yeah. I'm not talking about a few water spots. I'm talking about not clean. Doesn't matter how we load it. Doesn't matter what soap we use, oh, uh, and so I do. I I try to do them all by hand myself, even, even though the dishwasher's sitting right there. Oh. Um, you know, I, I I will sometimes use the dishwasher as just a big drying rack because <laughs> <laughs> for the most part, that's all it's good for. Oh man! So oh, I don't know. I'm so sorry. That's terrible. Yeah. I had a really I had a good dishwasher in my place in Ybor City. That dishwasher kicked ass and. Spoiled me a little bit. Oh. I could, I could just put dishes covered in crap in the dishwasher, let them sit for a couple of days until it was full, because, you know, for part of that time I lived alone, and it would take me a while to fill a dishwasher. Wow. And the stuff would be all caked on, and it still did a great job. Wow. It was a G, I don't remember the model, but it was a good dishwasher. You should have taken that thing with you. I I should have. (laughs) It wouldn't have cost me anything. Oh. (laughs) Damn it. Uh, all right. Um, Beauty of the short do, sale. All right, what else you got? All right. I have a hmm, a structural one. Mm-hmm. My partner, spouse, person, likes to reorganize and rearrange things. Mm-hmm. Once every few months, we pretty much have to rearrange all the furniture, okay. which drives me a bit crazy sometimes. Yeah. So, hmm. when... I got home one day, and she told me that she'd cleaned the fridge. That was great, right? Yeah. She also told me she'd rearranged the fridge. I was like, okay. Sure, who cares? But then I see one of the shelves from the (laughs) fridge just sitting there in the kitchen. By the wayside. By the wayside. Abandoned. Yeah. Like an old Christmas tree. Just laying there. Yeah. Um, They make you sad. Old Christmas trees make me sad. Yeah. Until you throw them on a campfire. That's fabulous. Oh, yeah. That, that that's that's how they're meant to go out, really. I agree. Yeah, blaze right, of glory. But carry on. So, <clears throat> at first, I thought, oh, geez, this is terrible. Why would you do this? This is silly. This is incredibly silly. It's like two square feet less of one would think of, of refrigerator. You would think so. However, it's really paid off. Um, so the fridge where I live now, I live in kind of a small townhouse place. So I hear, and, and so it's not a. Big fridge. It's not one of these big stainless steel, you know, industrial jobbies. It's a, it's a, you know, it's not a, it's not a British fridge by any means. <laughs> but it's, it's also not a, 
Not a large fridge. A British so, fridge, by the way, for anyone who, who isn't there, is a air-conditioned pack of cigarettes. That's the size <laughs> yes. of it. It goes under the counter. It looks like a cabinet. It goes It goes next to the spoons and the yeah. silverware. Yeah, That's pretty much. Size. So anyway, um, I thought uh, this was, you know, the wrong course of action. But I have been proven completely wrong in okay. this regard. We have more functional space. The middle shelf was hard to put stuff on. You know, you couldn't put anything tall there. You couldn't stack Tupperware there. And mm. almost inevitably, anything that went there got shoved to the back and you couldn't see. Yeah, that's an issue. So, I mean, you can lose stuff in the fridge, you know. Maybe yeah. it's down in the crisper and you forget about it. Or maybe it's in the back and you forget about it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I didn't realize what a wasteland the middle shelf really was. So you took it out and now taller things can go there and you can stack things. The middle shelf came out. Yes. Uh, honestly, in, in, in my particular case, it was the shelf with a drawer that okay. came out. Okay. Uh, so the, yeah, the, you know, I still have crispers at the bottom, but the, there was a drawer in the middle as well. I don't even know what it's supposed to be for. Mm. So, uh, that's drawer. Maybe so. But that, it, but that just stole space from the bottom shelf where you're supposed to be able to keep tall stuff. Yeah. Right? Well, where uh, do you keep cheese? Cheese right now is in the door. In the door. That's the least cool part. It's okay. It's out so, there in the environment of your home. No, no, some, no, no. Some percentage. No, some non-zero fine. percentage of the time. <clears throat> it's fine. It's totally fine. Yeah. Uh, so, took the middle shelf out. Top shelf came down one rung. And it's fantastic. It's completely fantastic. So, yeah. m- th- this one, just take a good hard look in your fridge. And don't do what I do. I- I'm kind of tall. Hmm. So, I have to, like, really lean down to, like, take a good look in the fridge. So, I don't know. Maybe get a chair. You know, sit, sit in front. I want you to take a good, direct look into your fridge and, and ask yourself, do I need all these shelves? Would less be more. Would less be more. Exactly. Thank you, Matt. Okay. All right. So the Zen approach to refrigerator mm-hmm. reorganization. Yeah. Right. Minimalist fr- refrigerator. Apparently okay. you don't agree with me having the cheese in the door. That's a different, that's another episode right there. Uh, I yeah. I mean, the, the door is for condiments, frankly. I mean, yes, there's that little, there's that little covered butter area, but, uh, <laughs> but, but then I guess butter is, well, butter is an ingredient and a condiment. More of an ingredient, in my way of thinking. I don't put butter on things after they're cooked. I put butter in things when I'm cooking. Them, okay. All right. Typically. But that, you know, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. Okay. Any other tips and tricks? Uh, double T's. Yeah. Um, I have an app pick. Okay. For our Floridian yeah, listeners. Yeah, Floridian Southeastern listeners. Because uh, Publix is spreading. Hmm. It's spreading itself. It's up in, in, in Georgia now, is I it? think. Yeah. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if it's gotten any farther, but the Publix mobile app is actually pretty good. Okay. Uh, it's a bit slow. It can be a bit laggy. Hmm. But uh, it's really good for aisle numbers and coupons. Once you load up your list, if you're if you're just doing a straight up shopping list, what do you upload your list from? Um, is it text file, I'm guessing. I wish. No, <laughs> you have to go in there and you have to pick your stuff. So oh, you know, okay. you pick milk. You have to do all this in app. But mm-hmm. once you have that, once this you have horrible, eh, yeah. But then you go to the store. Yeah. You pull that up, and now it's organized by aisle. 
And so you know, aisle one, you're hitting. I blah, know blah, where blah, all blah, this blah. is in my well, publics. I have three publixes, publices, public publix, publices. I have three. I have three publices in my life right mm-hmm. now, and I get confused. It's Surgeon's General. Ugh. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Anyway, you get confused. <laughs> well, why? Because you have the old new Publix and the new old Publix. What's the third one? New Tampa Publix. <laughs> You'd be doing a new Tampa. That's where I work, man. Oh. Anyway. Forgot. Yeah. Uh, so Ugh, it's a I nightmare. Like, I like the aisle numbers, and I know that's going to appeal to some people. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing is... Does the app know where which publics you're at? Yes. Yeah, so you pick a default Publix. Okay. Which is what got me in trouble later. But right now, the other great benefit of it is... Yes. Coupons. They do, mm-hmm. like, in-app... Are they digital coupons? Coupons, yeah. They're, like, digital coupons. And they'll, they'll just scan your phone at the checkout. So you can pretty much... Just pull up uh, current coupons at your home Publix right now. Your default Publix. All the bogos in there. Yes. Yeah, and and the, and then right there, you just add all the bogos to your list. Okay. Boom. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's it's pretty good. It's also uh, nice to use the you know share the same login as your spouse uh, or your partner. And so they can load the list, and you can go shopping, or you can load the list, and they can go shopping. Oh, that sounds good. Um, sounds so, like a good division of labor, because the, the making the list thing sounds like a nightmare to me, but I don't actually mind going to the store. Yeah. It, it, it works out the same way at my house. Okay. Um, so that can work out well. Where I got into trouble was, like I said, I have multiple Publix locations, <laughs> and I tried to toggle the location, and it wiped out all my list and coupons and then I was helpless mm. you know I'm just standing because you didn't have I'm, an index card backup no I did not I still make my list on index cards yeah. and you know and that's totally fine but and then like coupons and bogos and stuff that I see in the store that's just opportunistic shopping things that I know I'm gonna eat. like okay if there's a bogo on olive oil I'm always gonna use olive oil you don't get you don't get the giant like Costco size olive oil no, because I'm a, I'm a, a BJist or Costco okay. member, but I, I get the uh, I, buy, I buy olive oil when it's on sale. So sometimes there'll be three things of olive oil, and then sometimes you'll have olive oil anxiety. You'll be getting down and toward it. <laughs> and then recently we had olive oil anxiety, and we were just getting to the point where we we're going to empty the misto into the pan to finish cooking, and then we found a whole another full thing of olive oil in the uh, in the cabinet. Nice, because <laughs> we don't have a what we don't have is an inventory system. Because sometimes I buy things. That are on two for one, and put them in a cabinet somewhere, and then end up buying them again because I forget. Yeah. So that is a, that is that, a thing, but that will happen. But I only do that with things that keep. You know, I'm not going to buy two for one. I don't know bread. Yeah. We use so little bread. What, right. what, what, what is this? What is this thing about pre-washed spinach? Because <sighs> you know you could still get E. coli from that. Yeah. But I guess you could always get you get E. coli from your own hands. Only if I didn't wash them. Properly, which I do. You still could. Rigorously. I scrub out like a surgeon when I leave the restaurant. Really? Well, <laughs> not every time, but every time my hands have been near my bottom. Yes. Okay. Scrub up like a surgeon, and you got your paper towel paddles to get out of there as well? No, I don't need the full <laughs> paper towel paddles. I, uh, you So know. you just reinfect yourself on the way out. That's what's <sighs> happening. I, you know, it depends on the ergonomics of the restroom in question, but I try to leave with clean hands. Okay. 
That's you good. know, I use an elbow if it's, there's a lever door handle. <laughs> like at the, uh, my, one of my favorite watering holes, the accidental drinking place. Those are, they open out and elbow, no problem. You uh-huh. can use your elbow flapper. O- open out, out is pretty much always uh, a win. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Let's not get weird about this. We though. can't, we can't get into this. No. Um, that's, you know, we'd be, we'd, 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 be, we'd be ripping off another podcast even more than we already do. Yeah, it's pretty much. So let's let's stop that. All right, moving along. Uh, wash what? spinach. Okay, I non pre washed spinach and lettuce makes me so angry. When I <laughs> when I grab I grab the packet out of the fridge. And I open it up, and I just want to, like, pour it in the bowl and eat it. Sure. And then I see on the instructions, oh, wash before eating. I'm just like, no. But if you wash one, say that. You packaged it, it up. Wash it. If you're going to package it they're up. They're covering their asses because of the, the recent unpleasantness with the E. coli. You think so? Yeah, I know so. Well, they, but then but then there's 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 plenty of Publix brand stuff that says ready to eat. Don't have to wash. Triple washed. Triple washed, Matt. Hmm. What are yeah. they washing it? I don't know. Fucking radium? I don't know. <laughs> Barium washed. Uh, yes, yeah. Madame Curie. There, washing the spinach. Yeah, I, I I want it to be ready to eat, and I don't want to have to make a colander dirty because we've already discussed how poorly my dishwasher works. Yeah, but even a dirty colander is pretty clean. I'm sure your dishwasher could handle that. Your dishwasher can't handle a a lightly no. used colander. No, that's useless. Stuff will still be stuck in the holes. That's useless. This is this this is what I'm saying. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Oh, it's man. okay. It's okay. I suddenly feel I, better about not having the internet for the next four days. <laughs> At least I don't have that f-ing problem. <laughs> An appliance is supposed to save me time that ends up costing me more time would just be, I would want to burn the house down. I don't know. The comparison with the internet now sounds really apt. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. You remember the electronic monk? Yes. Okay. I knew you would. The dishwasher is an electronic monk for dishes. A little bit. And if it's actually requiring more effort on your part, then then you might as well pray for yourself. Yeah, I know. Okay. And you don't even have an electric monk there to even worry about. No. Um, I don't know. The one one saving grace that I feel like a dishwasher has is that it can use... It can put up with hotter water than... Than your hands. Than my hands. Yeah. Uh, But who's... Who's to say if the water is actually hot going in there? I don't know. Well, judging by the state of the dishes coming out of there, it's not very hot. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's the issue. The last dishwasher, well, see, the dishwasher in Ebor, I plumbed it myself. Oh. It had a direct line from the water heater to the mothership. Yeah. Wow. Nice. Yeah. Maybe that's the secret. Plumb your own dishwasher. Hmm. Huh. It can't be the only way. I think probably a lot of people have perfectly well-functioning dishwashers. I don't know. I don't know. That one was good. It was the best one I ever had. I had a lot of... But that's probably because I lived in a lot of crappy apartments beforehand, which had bad ones. Well, remember the uh, the place that that we used to share for a while? The uh, the Bivy on the Summit? No, not the Bivy. Oh, uh, the uh, Wiki. The Wiki. The Wiki. Yes, the Wiki. Okay. Uh, had a pretty small kitchen. Very small. And the... <laughs> The dishwasher at oh this place my God. looked like it belonged on a sailboat. It was, it was British. <laughs> it, it was a British, British dishwasher. dishwasher. It would go next to the refrigerator in your silverware yes, drawer. Yes, exactly. Wasn't uh, it designed to be movable so, so you tiny. could roll it from one place it to another? It was so tiny. No, this, it, uh, despite it being microscopic, <laughs> it was not one of these 
dishwashers on wheels that mm-hmm. you have to like hook up to the sink or something like that. It was not yeah. not one of those. Pretty it was sure. in in counter. Yeah. Okay. You're right. In situ. Yeah. <laughs> but man, it was tiny. <laughs> yes. But I, as I recall, if you loaded it intelligently, it would work really well. Is that not your recollection? I can't remember. I think it what, worked okay. One of I don't I don't remember having dishwasher fury. I, no. Yeah, you're right. I I think you had to load you had to really get the loading right because okay. it didn't have one of those middle sprayers. It had a top sprayer and a bottom sprayer. It had no middle sprayer. It had no stock. It had no up. stock. Right. So yeah, the loading uh, was important. So yeah, I've always prided myself on my dishwasher loading. Well, so you know, you're a physics guy. That's not physics people know how to load dishwasher. It's a stacking problem. Yes. <laughs> I, I know how to stack. <laughs> No, you don't have to have a degree in physics to know how to stack. I mean, but we have friends, like our, our friend uh, Ski, famous from the Storytime with Ski podcast, which will be out on the web soon. He is a stack master. Stack master. He invented the term, as far as I know. And... I think you're right. <laughs> right? He was the first one I ever heard use the term stack master. And, and uh, yeah, he knows a stack master when he sees one, and he doesn't have any... Any physics-related training that I'm aware of, hmm. but hmm. you know, he knows a, a hawk from a handsaw, regardless of the way the wind is blowing. If you know what I'm saying, I have no idea what you're. I literally have no idea what you're saying right now. Those are those are all just words, Matt. It's a Hamlet reference. Okay. <sighs> okay. I'm trying to take the podcast a little more highbrow, Jody. <laughs> <laughs> Shakespeare here. Yeah, we need more Shakespeare on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. All right, moving along. Moving along. Back to food. I I want to know what it is. You you talked about tacos earlier. Yeah. Okay. I want to know what you like cooking at home and why you look like cooking it. Would you like me to go first? Yes, please. Okay. All right. There's a couple things that my partner and I do really well, apart from the things that we can easily do with our cookbooks and whatnot. You know, because with the recipe... You have some decent reading comprehension and some basic kitchen skills. You're going to do fine. But I have a pretty finely honed steak preparation method that these days delivers between 80 and 100% of steakhouse quality steaks every time. And like on a, you know, on a bad night, I get 80% of the $50, the $50 steakhouse steak. And on a good night, it's a hundred percent. Okay. And and I, you know, and I, I, this is the thing about steaks is that everybody thinks they're a steak master. Everybody I know, and and also, of course, that's no use to you in your household. Not really, no. no it's an animal. <clears throat> animal. But he said it again. <laughs> yeah. But okay. So one of the things I really like doing is steak because because it's a known. You know, it's a known quantity. Like, I know that's going to be a treat. It's, I, yeah, it, it's got a weight, and it's got a cut. Yeah. So, you, you know, you've got a good baseline there. Certainly. Yeah. I was just talking about this with a, another another steakist that I know, and I, I was theorizing that the reason why people are so blown away when they go to a nice restaurant and they get a 40 or a $50 steak, and they're like, oh my god, I changed my life, is because... When they do steak at home, they buy a $10 piece of meat or or less. 
And like for example, the Publix, since we're we're using the brand name now, the so Publix that, near you're, me. You're saying they buy cheap, non-ethical. Well, meat. there's there's that. Even keeping the ethics out of it, which obviously is important to me when I choose my cut of steak, and yes, that means I pay more for it. But even keeping the ethics out of it, at my Publix, which my Publix is the worst Publix, full stop. There is not a worse Publix than than the one I regularly shop at. And nevertheless, I will still take my Publix. My, the worst Publix, I will have that over the best Sweet Bay in, <laughs> any day. You can keep your f***ing Sweet Bay. I will go to the worst Publix, which has been referred to by people I know as the hipster Publix. It's been referred to as the ghetto Publix, which is a little bit normative. It's been referred to as a an amusement park for people who like awkward parking situations. It is a terrible, a terrible parking lot. It is a terrible Publix in relation to all the other Publix, and yet I would still rather go there than the best sweet bag. Okay. So I go to my Publix to get a steak. That's not going to happen. I, there's, there's nothing in there that I, w- that I would cook because everything they slice, regardless of ethical concerns, is it's just too f***ing thin. And uh, they they do they do cut it pretty thin. Yeah, it's like it's like between a half and three quarters of an inch. Finding something that's an inch thick would be a miracle. At your sta- at a standard Publix, maybe at a fancy Publix, like that downtown Publix, you know, or the, the up- South Tampa Publix. Well, that's South Tampa Publix. That Greenwise Publix, that's a fancy Publix. <laughs> and they have they have thick. They, oh man, they have thick cuts there. This is some strange grocery store local snobbery going on right now. This I don't know. is important, at least where it comes to steak. It may not be important for chicken breasts or chicken thighs or chicken wings or. Other things involving chicken. <laughs> but, but with steak, this stuff is very, very important. Okay. And yes, there are other cuts of steak. It like doesn't have to be a $25 Total Foods ribeye or whatever. But the, but my my point is, just to circle back to my point, the, the point is that... You have a point? People are, <laughs> people are amazed when they get their a $40 or $50 steakhouse steak. They're amazed at how good it is because when they try to do steak at home, they get a three-quarter inch thick steak. And and that's I think that's the heart of the problem. And they burn it. And they burn it. Okay. Even if they get it medium rare, there's something about a thin steak where even if you get the cook just right, the steak isn't right. Because you can't get a hard sear on a three-quarter inch steak and have it medium rare. It's impossible. This is a problem I've noticed. It's true. It's impossible. Yeah. So you you need at least an inch, inch and a half... Before you can get a good sear on both sides and not have a medium well steak. That, I don't know. It's not, that's not an equation exactly, but I'm pretty <laughs> You're sure. You're getting there though. I'm pretty sure that's science. <laughs> okay. So, you know, all right. So you want your steak at home to taste like a $50 steakhouse steak. There's plenty of links on the internet that can direct you. But step, step one uh, is to go and spend Let's just face it, around $20 on the steak you're going to cook in the first place. There's a reason they charge $50 to $60 for a steak of that quality. It's because they start with a piece of meat that is worth 20 Yeah, okay. All right. You know, so un- unfortunately, that's the sort of inconvenient hack on cooking $60 steaks at home, is that they, they still cost 20 to $30. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So that's one of the things I like cooking at home, because I know I'm going to get it right. I don't always spend that kind of money, because... Sometimes things are on sale, but normally I spend that kind of money. Okay. What do you like cooking at home? Um, I don't know. 
I feel like I should cook at home because mm-hmm. that's the, you know, that's the thing to do. Mm-hmm. It's economical. It's healthy. You know, if, well, if you, if you ask me to set up a website for a podcast, say, I, I'm, I'm not going to go to some hosted service, unfortunately. Mm. I, I want to own, I want to own the whole stack. I want to yeah. do, I want to do all of it. Okay. I want to see how it all works. Yeah. So I feel like cooking at home should be that same deal. Vertical gardening. Yes. I want to vertically <laughs> integrate your own food. Food, food supply chain. Yes. In your backyard. Yeah. Do you grow anything? Uh, hot peppers. Yeah, me too. Um, got a lot of good hot peppers. Yeah. Um, you know. More than I can use. I, I am really? giving, giving most of them okay. away. Okay. Well, um, you know, I've got. Make sauces, what, like twice a year? Yeah. Once a year? Um, Last forever. I don't. I don't, I don't have that many, um, but, uh, you know, I could, I could spot you some bone meal if you, if you needed some calcium for your, for your peppers. Um, uh, yeah, uh, I've grown some herbs in the past. Yeah. Uh, basil's, basil's nice. Yeah. It gets gets woody though. It does. It gets woody and we've had, we had a, like a, a basil holocaust, like all our basil is gone and then we bought new basil at the market and, and it was a huge failure. Huh. Um, I'm not growing basil right now, but we have fabulous oregano, parsley. Well, and, and as as our listeners know, the last episode featured yeah, you know, parsley centric. Yeah, that that wonderful green stout parsley plant. It's quite stout. Yeah. Okay. Mint, mm. thyme, chives, tarragon. We grow all that. Shit. So yeah, I I feel like I should be cooking, but I. I don't know. And, and I'm trying to learn to enjoy it, I guess is my point. The cooking part? The cooking part. Yeah. It's it's not all that much fun to me. It seems like it takes way too long yeah. to do in the <laughs> first place and then to clean up afterwards. Yeah. It's like, okay, yes, there well, are there are health and economic benefits to doing it yourself, but then again Well, as a practical component doesn't it sort of naturally? There's a natural order to things in a home with two people, wherein, I mean, whomever cooks, the other one cleans up, right? I mean, that's how we do. Yeah, more yeah. or less. Uh, and and but most- sometimes it's a team. A lot of times it's a team effort because we're both cooking, and then we're both cleaning up, and then it's no big deal. Okay, but if if my partner's at work. And I do all the cooking and have things ready when she comes home, then without having to say anything, it's not like it's a discussion, um, she'll just do the dishes. And and vice versa. I, like, for example, tonight I'm pretty sure dishes are on me because she cooks. <laughs> well, I, according to my most recent text conversation, she was cooking while we were here recording and, and there's yeah. food for me all waiting right. at home and I'm going to be doing dishes. Well, maybe this is... A road, a bit of a roadblock hurdle in in my household because uh, for I'm not sure how many strange reasons my my spouse really 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 hates doing the dishes, so the dishes are almost always down to me. Mm. Um, mm. yeah, I don't like that because I really really hate doing the dishes. I really hate it. I get an ache in my lower back every time I do dishes. And I'm pretty sure it's all in my f***ing head. I'm pretty sure it's psychosomatic because I just hate it so much that my back starts to hurt. Wow. My hack for for that, and this also extends to cooking, which tends to take too long, 
I almost always have a podcast on in my earbuds when I'm doing dishes or cooking. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, we've, we've that helps a lot for me. Discussed that briefly in the past. Uh, yeah, we both will listen to podcasts while doing dishes. Absolutely. Um, it is a good time to listen to podcasts. Yeah. It's quite possible that somebody's listening to us right now while doing dishes. Huh. Well, here's to you. Here's to you, dish doer. Doer of dishes. <laughs> Oh, uh, okay, so other things that we cook at home with some regularity that are not from a not from somebody else's recipe. My wife does a really great pasta dish, which upon seeing her do it, uh, you know, a couple dozen times, anybody can do. And it's this is not exactly a recipe. You just you take fresh tomatoes. Roma tomatoes is what she likes to use, but whatever's nice. You, they're not exactly diced. You just chop them up and you throw them in a skillet on the stove with some olive oil and some salt and get them going. And you throw in some, some garlic. And my wife likes to use the, I prefer to use fresh garlic, but then again, that's a pain in the ass. So you can get the big jar of pre-minced garlic. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Okay. Big helping, or heaping, uh... Tablespoon of the pre-minced garlic. Throw that, throw that shit in there with the tomatoes. Uh, some herbs from the garden go in there. The oregano. Um, sometimes a little bit of mint. Uh, sometimes like half of a hot pepper to add some spice. And I, I like Kalamata olives in there, but sometimes we're out of those. You just you cook the tomatoes down until they start to break down. Like a proper Italian would, what, skin the tomatoes to do a proper marinara, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, screw that. Just let it, leave it all in there. <laughs> leave it all in there. When the tomato, uh, she likes to put in uh, white wine, splash white wine, which I won't drink, so it's safe in the fridge. <laughs> so there's always a bottle of white wine in the fridge, <laughs> which I won't touch. And, uh, you know, so healthy splash of, of white wine. Um, and, uh, the olives provide some, you know, the olives provide some saltiness. Add more salt if you don't have olives. It's just, she calls it a puttanesca. I don't know if that's like the canonical term. I don't know if like, Italian American listeners are going to be mad about that, but it's just. I think it applies. It it's just like this it applies. really simple sauce that anybody could do with tomatoes and whatever. Like if you don't have the fresh oregano, no big deal. Use the flakes. If you didn't have the Kalamata olives, little bit of extra salt you know to make up for it she likes to add a little more of the tomato she likes to put like uh three quarters of the tomatoes in at the beginning or maybe just two-thirds at the beginning and let them really break down and then put the rest of the the chopped tomatoes in later so that they're a little more chunky at the end and then just throw that on some pasta and you know just taste 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 as you go and i mean it's really almost always great yeah <laughs> This actually gets at something else that bothers me about cooking. <clears throat> and maybe it's because I don't have enough experience at it still. Which I'm a little bit ashamed of as an adult person. But <laughs> yeah, all of all of these things you said, eh, just throw in some tomatoes, maybe some olives, maybe some this, maybe some that. A, a thing of this uh, yeah. to taste. Red pepper flakes, maybe. Sure. All of these maybes, all of these to tastes, all of these yeah. amorphous terms drive me crazy you want strict because parameters i want and i think uh I, I i don't know if the site's still up i haven't been there in a while but cooking for engineers.com <laughs> uh 
uh, was right up my alley. Uh, they had detailed pictures <laughs> of the entire process, <clears throat> you know, uh, exact measurements of everything, mm-hmm. timings, temperatures, yeah. you know, Kelvin, if you, if you wanted. Well, I prefer Kelvin. Yeah. <clears throat> sure. It's the only true temperature scale. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I want, I don't, I don't want pinches. I don't want tastings. I, sometimes he, I just, I just want to follow some steps. Heat and the water to a like, rolling 373 Kelvin. Uh, <laughs> and I just... Maybe I'm lacking the vocabulary. Maybe I'm just lacking experience. But I, I think I, I think I'm gonna go with hard, the latter. It's hard to follow. I'm gonna go with the latter because I think that, as with a lot of things in life, I think this gets back to the core of why we were doing this show. As with a lot of things in life, I think the key is to do some trying. You know what I mean? Because it's it's okay to, especially if you, you know, this doesn't apply to everyone. I know that some people consider themselves just disastrous, irredeemable, bad cooks. And maybe there's maybe there's a, a something missing in their genetic code and they just can't do it. But if you like food, like if you if you're pretty good at knowing what you do and don't like when it comes to food, if you're pretty good at knowing when something is over or under seasoned or just salted, over or under salted, then you know what you can start you can start poking around a little bit in the kitchen. You know, and sure, follow follow the recipes. But when it says season to taste, don't let that freak you out. That means taste, and you know, add some more pepper if you if you want it to be spicier, or add some more salt. I mean, if if the season to taste thing freaks you out, then pretend there are only two seasonings: salt and pepper. <laughs> and if that's too <laughs> okay. many, if that's too many, then there's only one, and it's salt. That's a good constraint. I like that. If salt and pepper is too much, just salt. It's either too salty or not salty enough, or it's fine. And and then, you know, then maybe bring in pepper, because pepper adds depth. And then, you know, what do you do if you've over-salted something? Well, you can either bring in sweetness, or you can add butter. There's a couple of ways to handle that. But that's higher level. The point is, maybe start with recipes, and when it says season to taste, then just, you know, that just means salt. Don't let that freak you out. <laughs> Don't let the right, right. if you already if you already think it's fine, that's fine. If it sucks when you're done, well, I would say that's fine as well, as long as you haven't spent a lot of money on the recipe. Because I have, <laughs> I have done dishes where I spent a lot of money on ingredients, and then I've been kind of cooking out of my, uh, out of my, out of your element. Oh man. Definitely out of my weight class and, and blown it on some technique thing and I ended up, uh, losing some pricing ingredients. So, <laughs> I, I, but you know, that's definitely not where you start. That's like, uh, you don't, don't start flambeing the, the truffle slices. Yeah. yeah no, <laughs> exactly. I, I, I think, I think though that the key is to try. I think the key is to take a food that you like, maybe something that you like to eat out. And see if you can bring that home because you already know what it's supposed to taste like. And see if you can find a recipe for that thing and tweak it enough until you're making it the way you like at home. You know, like, like pizza. Let's take pizza for example. We all like pizza. We make great pizza, my partner and I at home. I think it's really good. Okay. And it's not that hard. Alright. You just, you, I, alright, here's a, here's a hack since we're both public shoppers. They make the pre-made pizza dough balls. I've seen those. Yeah. Just get one of those. Right on there are baking instructions. There are no pizza making instructions because, I mean, a trained house cat could make the pizza. 
you just have to you roll it out to whatever size you want, as thin or, or whatever as you, you need it to be. Brush it with a lot, little olive oil, sauce, toppings, cheese or cheese toppings, whatever. There's no there's no no wrong way to f it up, and then you just then you just bake it according to the the instructions. You know, twenty five hmm. minutes at four twenty five or whatever. It's, you al- it's always good. You don't need like special marble block floured counters for this sort of operation? No. Um, I hear a hack for this. This comes from 10-gallon hat, man. Because you know how, like, William Sonoma, Crate and Barrel and stuff, they sell these $400 pizza stone things? Well, that's for in the oven, right? In the oven. Yeah. Yeah. Well, supposedly, an 18 by 18 travertine tile from Home Depot for, like, three twenty five is exactly as good. Oh, yeah, I like that. Well, uh, I got the cheapy pizza stone from... Uh, you know, Bed Bath and Beyond or whatever. Okay. Um, and does it work? It works fine. Okay. Um, so you made pizza. It, it's usually frozen pizza. I've never uh-huh. gotten the dough ball. Get the dough ball. Okay, I'll try the dough ball. All right, because Tim Gallon Hatman has recommended it to me as well. Yeah. I've never done it. The, I dough, should do the it. dough ball is good. Uh, wait, but, but but I can recommend the pizza stone <clears throat> as a thing just by itself. If you have a fussy oven, yeah. it provides really good thermal inertia for your oven. Sure. It doesn't even matter if you're putting a pizza on it, or even if you're using the rack that it's on. You could be broiling something on a different rack, you know? Oh, like I, I see what you're saying. Like I said, it, yeah. it, it, it can really regulate... Thermal mass. ...an oven, yes. Yeah. Absolutely, it's a heat sink. And, it, and it'll, you know, keep it... Even even once you turn the oven off, it'll you know that thing can can stay warm. You can put your half pizza back on there if you want it to. Yeah, good point. To stay warm. All right, all right. Another life hack. Pizza stone. Yeah, I we haven't we don't actually have a pizza stone yet. I have not taken Ten Gallon Hat Man's recommendation and bought the travertine tile. I like that. <laughs> you know what? Here's three dollars for <laughs> yeah. for a tile. I don't know. Do you need to wash it or anything? Or blow yeah. the dust off? Oh, before you use it? Yeah. Well, yeah, when you get new cookware, you wash it, right? Before you use it. Do I? I don't know. I honestly don't know. I'm not sure how much cookware I've ever mm. had new in, in most, my life. Yeah, most of mine has been secondhand until fairly recently. Yeah. Until your fancy skillet? My fancy skillet. Love my skillet, honestly. Okay. Honestly. I have burned stuff to that skillet, like, just massacred it, made a mess of it, and then just washed it, and the next day made eggs in it. Wow. I make eggs in it. That's how good the cooking okay. is. Okay. All right. That's... It's, I'm just... That's, that sounds really good. It's a good skillet. It's a good skillet. It's pricey. You but know, my, my egg, my egg skillets, or my egg containers are usually only good for eggs. Okay, so here's the thing about birds and Teflon. You ready for <laughs> oh, this? Oh, yes. I want to hear about this. Okay. I don't the, like birds very much, so I, I don't right, know if well, I'm going to be happy about this or not. Well, I guess, I guess if you hated birds, this would make you happy. I just don't want one as a pet. Nobody's blaming you for that. I, I don't want one as a pet either. But birds are really, really sensitive to chemicals in the air. You know, hence the canary in the coal mine and whatnot. Oh. Right. It's, it's not just a clever expression. Joey, you know, you know where that expression comes from. That was a joke, man. Okay. All right. All right. Sorry. Lincoln show notes. But, <laughs> but, uh, 
This is a well-known phenomenon, documented many times. If you have a bird as a pet in your house, and you probably love your bird if you have a bird as a pet in your house. You and should, they live a long time, so that won't eat them. No, I won't. You absolutely, you absolutely must never ever heat a Teflon skillet dry in your kitchen, which you shouldn't be doing anyway. Yeah, but fire hazard anyway. But do you like? Okay, so I happen to know the smell of a Teflon or nonstick coated skillet that's being heated dry. I can smell it. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So that chemical, if like if you could already smell it, your bird would be dead. Oh no! Which it can't be a good thing for us to no. know what it smells no. like. <laughs> we might be slightly less long lived than we we should have been otherwise. I don't know. Huh. Our inner, I think there's, I think the evidence, our, our inner cockatiels have already kicked the bucket. Yeah, I don't like to be, uh, I don't like to be all naturalistic fallacy about these sort of things, but uh, I think the evidence is mounting that the, these nonstick coatings are are not good for us. They, you know, so the cast iron is the way forward, and the enamel coating, which is permanent on on this cast iron skillet, makes it both hassle free and uh, bird murder. Free. <laughs> okay. As far as I know. African Gray Cooperative. Yeah. If it turns out about uh, if it turns out I'm wrong about that, I'm so sorry about your birds, listeners. <laughs> I really hope I'm not That's wrong. That's right. You heard it here first. Don't trust your birds to Matt's <laughs> cooking skills. No. <clears throat> Alright. It's way too hot in here. Yeah. We've got to wrap this up. <laughs> yeah, there's a note on the screen about hot pocket and all I can think is <laughs> I think I'm sitting in one. Yeah. You are. Ugh. We didn't even get to talk about that. That's okay. We didn't talk about GMO either. No. No. You teased that. I did. It's okay. Yeah. We can come back to food. Yeah. You know. Listeners, let me just let me just put this out there. If you think you're anti-GMO, I just want you to do a little reading about golden rice. Because if you want to have a GMO discussion about uh, with anyone, golden rice is a great way to find out if they're interested in... Like you know, evidence and reality, or if they're just interested in a certain kind of ideology and worldview. So anyway, that'll be interesting. I don't know what that means. I'm gonna find out along with the rest of you, I guess. Golden rice. <laughs> what do you say? Should we get out of here? Yeah, it's cooler in the big workshop. Yeah. All right. All right. Oh. Whew.